Welcome back to the CCA California podcast. My name is Chris, your host alongside Mr. Kevin Nakata. Kevin, what's going on, brother? How are you? It's good to be back. This is going to be a great show, and I'm thankful that you've invited me back, and I'm sure that we're going to hear a lot from our guests today. For sure. Well, just a quick shout out. We are here at the beautiful San Diego Marlin Club uh, on Shelter Island Drive. They've been super, super generous, super uh, grateful for them and all their support of CCA. We're sitting in their, um, I guess, their clubhouse, and there is quite a bit of hardware. There's a whole bunch of stuff and really, really cool stuff. If you've got time to come down to the Marlin Club, I definitely encourage you to check it out for sure. There is so much history just in alone in the in the right hand side as you come in. There's plaques everywhere and trophies, names upon names of legendary anglers that have existed in Southern California. Definitely come by and take a look. And if you get a chance, participate in some of their tournaments that they hold. Absolutely. I know they have quite a few tournaments throughout the year, especially with the Western Outdoor News and um, and others as well. But uh, real quick, before we get started, please make sure to like us on Instagram at CCA California, along with visiting our website at ccacalifornia.org, and make sure to join for $35 per year um, at joincca.org. Well, without further ado, we've got a very special guest today, Mr. Jordan Jennings from Seize the Slay. Jordan, how are you, man? I'm awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here and yeah, what an awesome venue for this, right? So much fishing history and, and so much cool stuff. Just like looking around is getting me all frothed up for the season. <laughs> I know. I know. It's uh, it's very good. Very very good to be here. Very grateful to be here. But first things first, have you been out in the water lately? I know Rockfish, uh, Rockfish just opened up. Locally, I have not. I am slacking. It's been uh, it's been way too long. It's been a while. Locally, I haven't been out. Wasn't able to get out for the, the opener. Had real work, unfortunately. But uh Recently was actually in Miami for work for the Miami Boat Show and was able to sneak out, go down to the Keys for a day. So got a little bit of that itch for me, but locally I, I'm, I'm just dying to get back out there. Yeah, on your Instagram, it looked like you were getting into some mutton snapper. Yes, sir. Yeah, some yeah. muttons. Yep. And um, what else did you get down there? Yeah, so we went down there, um, went down to Alamorada, just which quick, easy day trip from Miami. Uh, jumped on a buddy's boat, and we were chasing around sailfish all morning, uh, running them over. They didn't want to cooperate. But then after that, we hit a couple of the wrecks, got into some mutton snapper, uh, got into some blackfin tuna and some pretty good grade for them, which is just so much fun on the light line. So just kind of that, you know, traditional or, or, or common keys mixed bag day, just epic, epic fishery out there. That's very cool, man. And you do a lot of traveling and going to fish other places too, right? Yeah, I try to. That's for sure. Um, I used to travel for work quite a bit, and any time I'd, I'd go on a trip there, I'd try to you know look up, look up the local fishery and, and tack on a couple of days uh, to explore and do some fishing. But yeah, I've been very, very blessed, very lucky to um, go to some really cool destinations. You know, Costa Rica, Baja. Uh, Florida a handful of times, and it's it's so much fun to go to these places and see the different fisheries. Now, Chris, I, I don't want to, you know, just go in there and talk about bluefin again, but this man's another bluefin addict. We've got back-to-back weeks of a bluefin talk, I'm sure, coming our way, but um, this man, Jordan Jennings, knows what he's talking about when it comes to bluefin, and I'm sure we're going to pick his brain about that today. Hopefully it's not two hours long worth of just bluefin talk. We'll try to keep it in something else, a little variety. 
Yeah, for sure. If you've uh, ever visited his Instagram, seize the sleigh. He's on Instagram and uh, quite entertaining, quite uh, colorful. But before we talk fishing, let's learn a bit about yourself, man. What's uh, what's your background? Where do you come from and what do you like to do? Yeah, sure. So uh, born and raised in Michigan, grew up like on the lakes there, literally grew up on one of the inland lakes. So boating and fishing has always been a big part of my life. Um, So grew up there. Again, kind of doing the the off the docks for bass and pike and anything, getting some, you know, going out to the Great Lakes and lake trout and salmon. Um, so, yeah, fish, fishing's always, again, water, fishing, boating, that's always been a big part of my thing, as well as hunting and anything outdoors, man. Like, I just love being outdoors, snowboarding, hiking, camping, whatever it is, man. That's like, uh, you know, I, I, especially right now, I work indoors on a computer, so Anytime I can get away from that and get away from technology and off the grid and, and in nature is like, that's my, that's kind of my solstice, if you will. Very cool, man. How'd you get to San Diego? Uh, so the, the short story on that is, um, again, born and raised in Michigan, went to school at Arizona State and met my now wife, who's from Southern California. So, um, you know, the Midwest versus Southern California, like a, a Southern California girl going back to Michigan wasn't going to happen. So I gladly, <laughs> I gladly, uh, uh, you know, continued further West and, and landed in San Diego and been here for, oh man, 12 years now and, and just love it. So how do you fish saltwater prior to going to ASU at all? Yeah. So, uh, again, being in Michigan was lucky enough to have some family that were snowbirds. So they would do Michigan in the summer and then they'd bug out, and they'd go down to Florida for the winter. Or, sorry, that's backwards. They'd do Michigan in the summers, Florida in the winters, and uh, would go visit them on Christmas break, spring break. And, man, like, even I, can, I remember I was thinking about this on the way down here, like, being, like, five, six, seven years old and just constantly nagging my dad or my grandpa or whoever to be like, hey, let's go down the docks. Like, there's sheep's that I can see them. I want to <laughs> go after them. I want to chase them. Uh, and then, so we do that all the time, just kind of hitting the docks, hitting the, the beach, and then also a couple charters a year. So, like, it gave me a little bit of taste for the backwater stuff that they have out there and going offshore and doing the snapper and grouper thing. It's um, So, yeah, that kind of planted the seed of, like, oh, man, saltwater is its own world. There's so much diversity to it. And that's – it was a cool, cool experience. Now, eating your fish, fresh versus saltwater, what do you pick? Uh, as far as an eating fish, oh, salt water all day, every day. I, it's funny. I actually. What, what about walleye though? It's not bad. It's it's good. Um, it's funny. I just like even in, in growing up and I mean, growing up, it was it, it, part of the part of the Michigan staple. There was it was on the menu, um, but yeah, it was like it, it's. There's no comparison for me. Like mm. snapper grouper from Florida out here, tuna and yellowtail, and like that's it's salt water all day long as far as eats go. Very cool, man. Very cool. So, you know, just talking to you before uh, before we kicked it on here, you've got a lot of irons in the fire when it comes to not only you know your personal site, your Instagram page, but then also your you've dabbled into BD Outdoors. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> that's probably a good way of putting it. A couple irons <laughs> in the fire. Uh, you know, a little bit of jack of all trades, but um, still working with BD closely. Uh, on a lot of their content stuff, videos, writing, um, you know, a lot of their projects that they got going on, they got some really, really cool stuff in the pipeline, Uh, as well as doing some contract work, and and this is actually, like, really recent within the last month, um, picked up some contract work with Pure Fishing, 
to help them relaunch one of their brands and do the social media and kind of manage their pro team around that. So really, really stoked on that opportunity as well. Nice. Very cool, man. So, you know, what, um, I know you've mentioned video work and, and all that. I mean, they've, BD has really produced quite a few, like just, just kick-ass videos as of late. And I know you've been a part of that. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple, um, so they got some new blood in there. Um, Mike Marciano is another guy, super fishy guy, um, came from the surf industry and he's like really just got the creative brain and, and mind and eye for that. So there were some really, really cool projects they put out last year. Um, you know, top of mind in October, we ran down to Bay of LA and did a piece for Penn and, and did their yellowtail deal and their Cabrilla. And, oh man, it was like, that was, that was, like, again, I'm just the guy kind of driving the truck and, and mostly yeah. uh, support team on that one. But, uh, it, a lot of talent and a lot of cool projects they got going down there. So I've never, you know, full disclaimer, I've never been to Bay of LA. I've always wanted to go, but after seeing that video was like, holy crap, I have to go. I just have to make it happen. Yeah, that's, I'm so stoked to hear that because that was, that's exactly, that was that project's goal, right? So um, it was Brian Tim, another local kid, super fishy guy, uh, same deal. Born and raised in Southern California, knew of how epic of, epic of a fishery it was, but he hadn't gone, I hadn't gone. It was kind of one of those things that it's, it's really, it is easy striking distance, um, but you don't know till you go. And yeah, we went down there and like, it was funny, the locals were like, oh, the career aren't biting great. And it, you know, they were saying, they were kind of like a little put offish and we were like, our minds were blown. Like every, literally every drop on the jig, on the knife jig, we were bit. It was like, I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that because that was kind of the goal of that one. If you check out this video on bdoutdoors.com, you will see this propiedad, is that right? Yep. Propiedad de, del Jurel, which is um, probably the one of the most amazing content pieces I've seen in a long time for Baja. And the amount of yellowtail you guys must have tied into doesn't do the video justice, I will say. There is probably way more video or yellowtail caught on video that just never made it to the cut. Oh, yeah, it, it was bonkers. And again, I got to give all the props to Mike on that one. That was like his, that was his brainchild and, and he put it all together. And, and um, Joel Jr., who was our guide down there and a local and also a marine biologist. So like, he just had it, he had the fishery dialed. And like Brian and I were like literally like we couldn't we just we, perma smiles the entire time we were down there and yeah it was it was nonstop yellowtail bite like to the point where they they were like hey guys like we gotta go we gotta go try to shoot something else off we gotta move to a different spot we're like why <laughs> it's biting so it was it was an epic trip really really lucky I mean so you know with Bay of LA being it's not that far away right it's only like maybe eight hours or so yeah eight hours and it's like again it was my first time making that drive. And like all the highways new or within the last few years. So like easy, smooth sailing down. It was nice again, having Mike with us on that trip. She's done it several times. So it's, it's nice to have that kind of like that insider intel, but like, man, it was as easy as getting to, and like just a one day drive, got there, got set up, got met up with Joel and, and he has it so dialed that it was just show up, have a great time. And as easy as it gets for sure. So as a fellow gringo, um, <laughs> you know, you often hear, it, it seems to me, maybe not so much in our industry, but just, you know, society in general, um, when you talk about driving down to Baja, driving down, you know, to the Bay of LA and all that, 
how I mean, obviously it was an epic trip fishing wise and all that, but overall, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure you probably felt comfortable doing it and you'd probably go there tomorrow if you could. A hundred percent. I think that's you know, there's the perception that maybe you hear about or or see in the news or whatever, and I think um you know, it's probably stories that are there's always those one horror stories that that you hear about versus the millions of, of non-eventful ones. Like ours was literally as smooth sailing as it could be. Um, I, absolutely. I'd go like right now, if you guys are like, Hey, let's go down. I mm-hmm. would jump in the truck. We'd go. It's, it's easy coming and going. Just, you know, use common sense, have your paperwork in order, have your passport. The, I mean, the locals are like, they're so stoked to have you down there and they're the nicest human beings down there. It's, it's, I, all day long, I would love to go down there. Well, since we went down the Bay of L.A. rabbit hole, let's let's continue on with that one. So going down there for the first time, did you have any expectations at all, or did it kind of just blow your mind right from the get-go? You know, I, I did because I'd heard the stories. I, mm-hmm. I you know, kind of heard about it anecdotally from people that have done it and knew how epic of a fishery it was, but it's, it's just one of those things that you got to see to believe, I think. And, mm-hmm. again, like my experience and my, like, I have nothing but like rosy lenses for it of like, man, we all as much yellowtail as you want. Like we got into bigger grade yellowtail. We got the Cabrillo weren't like, wasn't wide open, but we were still catching them like pretty consistently. And that's super fun. And like, again, I think their perspective was like, Oh, it was a little bit slower. So (laughs) yeah. Like, you know, it's like, I think it's all that. It's like kind of that just having that perspective of, I had pretty high expectations to be honest. And it, it definitely blew them away. So. That's cool, man. Uh, besides of, you know, obviously with Bay of LA you've been to, but you've also been to pretty cool places, right? Yeah. Yeah. Been lucky enough to, um, you know, do a couple other, again, pretty epic trips, like once in a lifetime bucket list stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, sticking with Baja, got a chance to go down to Mag Bay a couple summers ago, spend like eight days on a boat down there going from Cabo up to Mag. And like, again, talk about another, another fishery that like had really high expectations for just hearing about it knowing about it and learning about it but like seeing it firsthand like that striped marlin deal that they have down there is obviously insane but they have i mean they, they got like good grouper good yellowtail stuff that we didn't even really get to that much but like it's just one of those things you got to see to believe um also a couple of years ago got to go down to costa rica go to los sueños and fish with maverick sport fishing and like oh man like again <laughs> epic bill fishery we got into like we got into a Dorado bite down there that I kid you not, the smallest fish was probably 30 pounds and oh like to the gosh. point. And it was like, yeah, the smallest fish was like 30 and like my buddy caught a 68 pounder. <laughs> oh yeah. Like God. it was bonkers. And it was like, we to the point where the captain's like, Hey, we got to get away from these things. Like they're just chewing through our belly. Who like nothing. And we're like, again, one of those things where we were just, it never been down there. It was just an amazing, amazing trip. So yeah, been very, very lucky to go to some cool places. Kevin, a 68 pound Dorado. Could you imagine? Um, it must be the size of this table, like half this table we're sitting on. <laughs> the, the, the and it was a bowl. The head on this thing was just thick and knotty, and like, and of course, of course, it bit. We I don't. It was actually what we were using for the sabiki rod earlier. It bit the twenty pound, the lightest rod that we had out there, and my buddy fought it for. And it was just, it's an epic fish, man. It was, it was really cool. Now, were you fishing, did they just happen to be around logs and other things like that? Is that what you found your Dorados on? So, yeah, fun, funny thing is it was actually a rope and, like, maybe a, <laughs> like, I kid you not, it was, like, maybe a six-foot chunk of, like, pretty thick rope floating, but it was, it was, uh, that was it. 
right? And then we looked under it, and we were actually, we were making bait initially, because captain drove by from the tower. was like, oh, there's bait here. Let's load up on some of these live baits. Mm-hmm. So we were stopping and making bait, and, and sure enough, all of a sudden, here came a wolf pack, and it was on. And, like, again, we had a couple hours of fun on that. And then he's like, all right, you like, I know you guys want marlin. Let's go and, and move on. And it was, it was just it was so much fun. I kid you not, Kevin. So back in my charter days, I literally found a school of dodos on a pizza box of all things. Wow. A pizza box. Wow. It's, yeah. Now, what brand of pizza was it? We all need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, honestly, I can't remember, but it must have been good pizza. No free plugs here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, going back to, you know, Costa Rica and and your travels there, do you have a particularly, I mean, they're all great experience. They sound like it, but is there anyone that kind of sticks out to you as kind of maybe your most favorite or whatnot? Um, man, that Costa Rica one's tough. The Mag Bay one is really tough because it was just like, it was that much time on a boat and like it was just we got it was good weather it was really it was just an epic adventure in general and like that's a cool part of mexico like that's mm-hmm. still pretty like feels like authentic baja if you will um so that was a cool one also um, going back to florida is i had a just like one of those days that you hear about actually with rush malts from local i was knowledge. just about to say you know rush ah uh, <laughs> yeah I've, I've fished with Fished with uh, Rutchie a couple times and, and on his home turf, and we got one day we just got into, like, slick, slick, calm conditions, which, I mean, they're, like, just their water. Like, I could sit there and just stare at, like, their, their water. So gorgeous. They're such a cool fishery. And, like, it was one of those things. They make bait out there, which is one of those we kind of take it for granted. We slide up to the bait oh, yeah. dock. So started throwing the cast net. Like, it was like a one-and-done blackout the well. Like, he just <laughs> he knocked them out right away. Um, and then we moved on and we we're like, he's like, Oh, Hey, let's like, there's a pretty good tuna bite, like right on this rack, made a quick run anchored up, which that's another kind of unique thing, right? Like we're always chasing our tuna. Theirs is, there's still pelagic fish, but like theirs is a little more, they can show up to a spot and chum and like kind of build that life. So started our day out, like chumming up some tuna, got into a good black fin bite, got the bottom rod down, up whack a 35 pound black grouper which was out of season so we released it but like again like we were doing that catching mutton catching blackfin and we were just like what is happening then he's like all right like you want to see something else yeah of course (laughs) uh so went and made some uh went over to another wreck made some speedos which are kind of like it's closest comparisons like a mackerel and we were going to take those out to one of the ledges and troll slow troll for wahoo so okay start doing that and like literally probably first bait back i don't even know if i had the the reel and gear engaged like a 40 pound king blew this thing like blew the bait out of the water like full on six feet out of the water uh got into a couple of wahoo like wrapping the day all of a sudden a sailfish like literally it's the stuff that you, like you hear about and you know happens but doesn't actually happen and it just kind of all came together for like a, a start to finish non-stop like most epic day probably to this day for me can you just imagine if that stuff was here like if we had the ability to go from fishing the bottom to fishing a wreck for tuna, wahoo, um, king mackerel, yeah. all these other pelagics that are out there within what? How many miles were they between? Oh, I mean, I think I'll bet you all day we ran maybe 30, 40 miles, like between spots. We're not even out. Like that's just total. Oh, like, my we didn't gosh. Go far. And this is a regular day. That's like that's like, to, yeah, that's I think that's um, 
they're underwhelmed at that point. They're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. We've caught yeah. forty. We caught forty different species today, and we're all you know, yeah. like probably anywhere from what, 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 fifteen to one hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah. All these different ranges of fish. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's like that's. Um, I love our fishery. I think right now, especially like what we're in, the cycle that we're in is insane. But that's that's one thing that I think the the keys in Florida had, like just the diversity. Like the bottom fishing and the plagics and like the backwater stuff that they have. Like if you're into that, if you're into kind of that inshore, like that is just there's there's always always something on tap, and like it, it's just the diversity is, is definitely kind of next level. I would say you know obviously with between California or let's just say Southern California and Florida. There, it, it's quite diverse. They're quite different. Mm-hmm. But are there any like similarities that kind of point out to you at all? Yeah, I think um, that. So that's funny. That's a great question because mm-hmm. that's one thing I've really tried to do, especially in the last couple of years. Is like, how do I progress as an angler? Mm-hmm. What can I learn when I'm in the keys? Right. Like I'm, of course, I'm there having a good time, having beers on the boat, and fishing as an angler. But I'm also trying to be purposeful and like pay attention to what's going on. And there's definitely some there's a lot of similarities in the styles, right? Like they, they actually, they're pretty heavy live bait fishery as well. Different, different baits. They got to make the baits. But like, again, when we're blackfin tuna fishing, we're doing it with a live pilchard. So it's, it's actually in that sense, like it's, it's almost like a yellowfin fishery for us or a smaller bluefin fishery where you're fly lining a live bait. It's the same. Again, it's, it's just a cousin of the same species. It's so, um, there's differences, of course, and there's nuances to any fishery, but there's definitely, um, there's a lot that I can learn that anyone can learn and go there and be like, oh, I can take this home and, and, and figure it out. So on the reverse of that, have you ever brought, like, say, a surface iron over there and tried it out or any methods that we use out here that they don't out there? So I haven't personally. I know uh, I know Ali and Rush have done that quite a few times, and mm-hmm. it's funny too because like they think we're crazy that we use like only conventional because it there it's pre- oh. it's predominantly spinning reels. Um, so it, it's and we pretty, we give them a ton of crap for it oh, too. Yeah. It's a must. <laughs> it's a it's a must battle back and forth, right? Um, so I haven't personally, but I know again like they'll do the same. There's a popper fishery. There's a stick bait fishery. There's there's similarities. Um, but I think like the quintessential like nine foot jig stick and, and the surface iron stuff I haven't personally done. I would love. I think it'd be fun to do. I'm sure it's it's uh. I mean it's still this. It's it's just a different flavor, right? A fish is a fish is a fish. If you have the right presentation and you have that bait swimming good, it's gonna eat it out there just like it will here. I mean, you're going to have to tell the fish whether it's from the West Coast or the East Coast, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A fish is not going to know. Well, at least we think, you know? Yeah. Someone needs to go out there and commit to it, though. It would be. It'd be pretty fun. It'd be fun to drag the long rods out there and, the, and like, the full iron program and, like, just see, again, see if you can tap into that diversity and, and see what he, I, again, if you have the right presentation, the right opportunity, I'll bet you it'll eat it. Um, but it would be fun just to, again, kind of one of those things of like taking something that's so quintessential home here out there to something new is that's, that's always fun. Yeah. I, I don't think they they would really know how to take it in. Right. Because you, they, they have such a different mentality of how to target the fish. It's not necessarily about the, I, I know that you mentioned the bait game over there, but from my understanding, a lot of it is going to be trolling. Mm-hmm. You're going to be looking for fish. Maybe if you're wreck fishing, you might be focusing on a spot. 
Um, but here we do have a lot of deeper water. And that's our benefit is we have really good access to super deep water compared to Florida. So our areas to go fish, they may only be a mile away from shoreline, but they're going to hold even sometimes pelagics. You know, it's odd. Yeah, especially like that's the water depth. That's a huge difference, right? Like that's especially on the golf side. I mean, you can run like some of those guys run like 60 miles plus just to get into a couple hundred feet of water, like three, 400 feet of water, right? Like. For us, that's like go outside of the bay, go to Whistler Buoy, and you're in like 150, 200 feet, something like that, yeah. right? Like sometimes so it's, in the bay, <laughs> exactly. Like it's it's yeah, our 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 trenches and our our water is so much deeper, so much faster. Um, that that's that's definitely a massive difference between what they have. The Atlantic side is a, a little more similar, but definitely on the on the Gulf side. Awesome, man. Well, let's switch gears. So you've got a interesting brand called Seize the Slay, and just talking to you in the past and, you know, your whole methodology, your whole philosophy about angling and all that, it's, it's, it's pretty admirable, to be honest, man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, I guess to give you the backstory on it, it was like Seize the Sleigh started just as a, a side project. Like, of course, fishing, fishing has been a passion always, but maybe in the last four or five years, again, kind of doing it a little bit more purposefully both in my fishing endeavors and then this season slave was kind of just a creative venture if you will right like just do some blogging on the side writing for bd on the side writing for pacific coast sport fishing on magazine on the side like having that outlet for that but it's kind of where i want to take it or kind of a passion project of mine is, is like saying hey look at i'm happy to admit that i'm a kook still to this day right like i got a lot of time on the water or, or a good amount of time on the water i should say but just being that advocate for, hey, everyone starts somewhere, right? Like, just get on the water and be be present, like, ask questions. Like, that was always kind of my goal with that is, is to the more people that I can bring into fishing and say, look, at, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, half this stuff is probably BS, right? Like, it's <laughs> – but I'm, I'm happy to admit it and, and just – same thing goes for, for others as well. And now, I'll have to say that I don't think you give yourself enough cred here because I'm looking through BDOutdoors.com's um, articles, and you have Yuzuri Mag Popper. This is written by you. The ultimate Southern California tuna popper. The next one, Jordan Jennings. Again, Yuzuri Mag Darter, all-in-one SoCal inshore slash offshore killer. The next one that you wrote, Yuzuri top, um, Yuzuri top Knot Fluorocarbon. Don't leave home without it. All these things. And then the next one, obviously, I got to mention this one. Yeah. Go big or go home. Southern California, oh, yeah, big yeah. bluefin fishing. So, I mean, th- this goes on for quite a few more articles. And and your videos are amazing. I don't think you give yourself and your and definitely, maybe you do. I think it's got your own credibility. Certainly, there's a lot of power in the knowledge that you're supporting and giving to people. And, man, just keep it going because this is, this is good stuff. And people are hungry for it. They want to go out and catch their personal best fish, whether it's a slow pitch jig or a flying fish or bluefin. Um, go into, you know, Bay of L.A., Mag Bay, all these places. I think that you've got a lot of input to, to really provide the, the Southern California angler with all the knowledge they need. Yeah, thank you. I think, um, you know, it's funny. that Everyone has a different lens on it, but definitely, like, I, I, I'm happy. I just love storytelling and sharing my story and, and like, yeah, I've had some epic days, and I've learned – my progressions, and I think this a lot to, like, some of my mentors and people that have kind of just helped me along the way. Um, my progressions definitely kind of been 
accelerated versus others, just time on the water and, and, and being able to have some really good people to, to teach me the ways. Um, but I appreciate that because that's, that's my goal, right, is just share those stories, share what I do know, and, and hopefully that helps out someone else's in their own endeavors and their own pursuits fishing. Now, no, I, I don't know about you, Chris. I like to ask hard questions. So I usually don't mentally prepare the guys that come on here or girls to come on here for some of the questions I like to ask, you know. But in this, in the, in the you know, politically driven fishing community that we have, I would say that because of what we have to deal with on a regular basis, whether it's the CARB initiative, 30 by 30, going down these roads, how does it affect you as a marketing or I would say a, a specialist in marketing for our community? What is the detriment to your business and your personality, your, you, what you do in your, your job um, with all these initiatives coming forward? Oh, yeah, throwing me, throwing me the hard curveball, huh? <laughs> no, um, that's a great question. Um, honestly, it, it's all these initiatives, the regulations, some of the stuff that's coming up. A, I, I need to personally, I want to just learn more about it. You know, I, I think I know the surface level of some of it, but I, I want to dig in and, and just always learn more and be a little bit more in touch. I appreciate like what CCA does and um, the ASA, the American uh, Sport Fishing Association. Like, there's so many advocate groups out there. So you guys, are, I think, are probably the unsung heroes. Um, but from my perspective, some of these regulations and some of the more local ones that the CARB initiative and stuff like that um, is it, if some of the things go through and, and without solutions and a little more runway, and a little more insights is it adds another barrier to fishing. And like, again, kind of what we were just talking about. I want to be an advocate for new new anglers, new people on the water. And any, if fishing's already kind of has a lot of barriers to entry of just picking it up, it's, it's a little bit of a nuanced sports if you're just a newbie coming onto it. But, um, yeah, like it, it, you know, it would be sad to see the sport fishing community have to deal with some of these regulations that might put them out of business. Like that's, that's another, you know, one less sport boat that goes out is one less opportunity for 20 people to jump on and get into fishing for the first time or, or, or do it at a really, like, that's another cool thing, again, being being able to travel to Florida and some of the other places I have fished. Like, our sport fishing, our, our fleet, the sport boats, is super unique to Southern California. And I love it because, again, I'm, I'm a little jaded because I'm, I'm a private boat guy. I have my own boat. I'm very lucky in that regard. But um, I've been on them plenty of times, and, and it's such an easy way to get on the water, despite your skill level, despite how many times a year you do it. It's just a good economical way to get people on the water that it's, it, you know, I, I definitely have some empathy for what they're up against. And, and hopefully, again, there's a little more insight into, you know, solutions for them. Yeah. And, you know, last week, Kevin, we had Tony and Chad on. And, you know, obviously with the carb thing, if it were to go through, it affects them in a huge way. But Jordan, I think, you know, if this thing still goes through, it kind of affects, you know, you as a private boater. It has a little bit of an effect on you, too, to where, you know, the industry wouldn't be um, thriving like it is right now. There's a huge, um, I guess, or there would be a huge lack of demand because the sport boats wouldn't be affordable anymore. A hundred percent. I mean, that's it. We're in a really, like, just offshore, right? Like, we're in an epic cycle of fishing. And we got a lot of excitement around fishing. Like the people, there's a lot of 
what the weirdly the pandemic actually pushed more people to fishing and push people outside, which is awesome. I love that. I love that new anglers are coming into the community. That's good for the sport, good for the future. So anything that jeopardizes that I think is, is, is certainly a bummer. And yeah, even on the private side, like that, that trickles down, like that's not just unique to the sport boat fleet that trickles down through the whole industry. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely like the regulations are a little bit trying, but it is, it is a, no doubt. It's a good time to be in fishing. It's a fun time to be in this industry. There's probably no time in recent history that people could say they really had uh, once in a lifetime opportunities in the fishing world and in Southern California, like this, what we're seeing right now is such a tremendous opportunity for an angler of any walk of life to go out on a sport boat and catch literally a 150 plus pound bluefin. Like how many times in our lives, Chris, did we learn, did we even hear about that before 2015? Never. We didn't even hear about it from way back when. So that all this is like, you know, if, if, if someone that's coming into the sport fishing game can't go on to one of these boats that has been doing this for all their lives and has this awesome opportunity to show off our fishery and they can't do it because, you know, literally they're going to be spending millions of dollars to repower. You know, this is going to, this is going to affect a lot of people in the industry and, and certainly in the community. I mean, it's, it's not just the people that are out here fishing on sport boats. It's the private boaters. It's the shore pounders. It's, it's kayak fishermen everyone's going to feel it because everyone is going to see those anglers expanding their, they, they still want to fish, you know? Yeah, no doubt. It definitely changes the economics. And again, to me, um, any, any additional barrier to entry into the sport is such a bummer. Um, that to me, I want to work against that, right? Like I want to, I want stuff to get people on the water. So it's, it's hopefully, you know, again, hopefully some solutions, kind of come to light as things go but it definitely changes the economics and it definitely you know puts some people in the corner to to man say how how do i figure this out and yeah it's anything again anything that jeopardizes the future of fishing is 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 certainly a bummer yeah and quite honestly you know this go around it's the sport boats but next go around guess who they're going to go after next the private boats which you'll obviously be super affected on that one too Yep, it's it's probably all uh, probably all inevitable. Um, you know, it's it's the regulations. It's it's one of those things. Again, I give you guys so much props for being the advocates for the community, but it's um, it's I think it's maybe for some, myself included, right? Like it's it's hard to kind of understand the true impact of some of these things that go down. So, um, supporting you guys, supporting the Sport Fishing Association, whoever that organization, like that. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that that again is advocates for the angler there's certainly a lot of nuances and that is why you join as a cca member because you don't have to do that it's really important for people to see the bigger picture here that politically and and all the networks that are built they're all helping to build up a community for the future because it's not just about the now it's about your kids it's about our future kids it's like people who have all these uh well wishes now they may not even see that 50 years from now, it could be a totally different um, outlook and we could be better and we hope so. Um, but certainly the, the, the monetary help goes a long way and more so the amount of voice being heard, voices being heard that they want to support and they want to hear 
um, more people talk about fishing in a better light, not a negative light. Yeah, you know, Kevin, you brought something up a little bit earlier that is kind of interesting where right now, you know, people, you know, at least the old timers always say, oh, you know, the good old days of fishing and all that. We're actually in the good old days right now with all of the um, baits are, bait that's around, all the bluefin, everything. And what would it, what would be a huge bummer is for that all to be taken away by an, by a single initiative. Yeah, no doubt. Like you said, I mean, it's, it is today. It's the good old days, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is the Zane Gray days. Like this is the stuff that you see around us here at the Marlin Club. Like we're living that. And I, I will be the first to admit that like I'm very jaded because I kind of got back into fishing during it. But like last year, you know, 200-pound bluefin five miles off the beach – was that's bonkers <laughs> like literally in cell phone service been like hey we're fighting a 200 pounder get over here <laughs> um it, it's it's a, such a it, again from an angler perspective it's such a cool time to be into fishing locally especially it's just it is the good old days mm-hmm. you know we you know we kind of touched on it last week to where you know kevin you and i are like on the younger side and jordan too where um you know we kind of grew up not so much with albacore, but kind of memories of albacore. And then now since, you know, the last seven years, since say 2014, 2015, it's been nothing but bluefin. It's pretty crazy. The hype around bluefin has really driven a lot of people to see the and to imagine what could be out there. You know, it's not just about a calico bass anymore. It could be a calico bass and a bluefin the same day if yeah. you're lucky enough. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, like, a, a buddy of mine, a cap, local captain here, Brandon Nelson, like, he's done that with a couple of his clients, which I think is, that's, like, again, that's insane. Like, they'll be on the backside of Clemente, right, on the ridge behind there, and bag a 200-pound bluefin, and, and you know, that charter being like, hey, this is more than enough meat. We don't need another one of these. This That's an epic experience. And then, hey, let's tuck into the island and go get into, an like, a, a killer calico bite like Mm -hmm. that's insane that's so unique and so cool that it's it's i'm just like i'm just trying to soak it all in i know like who knows if it's cyclical and when it ends or whatever but like i just want to be on the water as many days as possible and really um just be in it be in the moment and and enjoy it you mentioned that seize the sleigh it's really kind of a an effort to get more people um fishing and, and more anglers involved and all that stuff so what are, you know, what are you focusing on at Seize the Slay on, on doing that, on, on accomplishing that? Yeah, so just trying to, I think the first part, it, it's maybe a little bit corny, but like saying, hey, listen, I'm a kook. I'm a fishing kook. Like, I don't know what I know, or I don't know what I don't know. And, That's in and your Instagram handle, too, I think. It is. <laughs> it is. I am, yeah, I think it was to say full-time. Uh, it says full-time kook and part-time angler. There it is, yeah. And that is, that's dead on too. Um, but no, I think that's, I, I, the whole, you know, again, it's kind of funny, but it's like, I'm trying to pay homage to just, Hey, humble beginnings, right? Like everyone starts somewhere. Um, I just wanted to kind of journey or to, to journal like my progression of saying, Hey, again, I hadn't, it was it four years ago, five years ago was when I caught my first bluefin. And again, now I've, I've learned, the, I've learned some tricks and I've had a lot of awesome mentors. Like Ali's helped me, like he's, he's put me on so many fish and taught me so many tricks that now, um, it kind of comes to second nature, but like, I wanted to tell my story and, and say, Hey, it's okay to say that you're a kook and that you're new at this and, and ask for help. 
like it's the progression. It's learning the process. It's, it's figuring out, you know, asking the community and just interacting and saying, hey, this bluefin's right off the beach. Like, how do I catch it? And, and trying to show that, right? Just show that it's, it's um, document what's here and then also say, hey, you know, here's what I learned. That's, I think that it's that learning, that learning curve. Anything, anything I can do to help someone else with their learning curve is, is I, I love that. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to our last week's podcast? I did. I did. I tuned in actually on the way down. Did you hear the part about the bluefin being caught in, what was it, 1897 or something like that? Did you hear about that? No, I must have. I must have skipped over that one. Well, Give me some details. Well, I, I, I can't remember the whole thing right off the bat. I had the computer in front of me and I was looking the article right up. But there's a lot of history being recorded, and that is what I think the difference is nowadays. Now, with guys like you who are able to go and capture this with either video or photos and write about it and get all these people to talk about what they're using, all this stuff way back when they, Chris was asking me last week, well, or Chad or someone was like, what did they use to catch that bluefin? Well, I don't know. It was from the 1800s, the <laughs> yeah. 1900s. Like they didn't have like, yeah. they didn't have camera phones. The yeah. guy was in a wool suit. So, you know, um, we're living through a different time. Think about what people are going to say a hundred years from now. Isn't that yeah. mind-blowing? It is. It is. I mean, it's crazy. It's like, it, I, I, it, talking about 100 years ago, right? Like, it's it's crazy to me to think, like, someone was like, oh, hey, what would happen if I put up a kite and yeah. dangled it from, like, literally linen line? Linen line, right. Like, let me dangle this flying. One-to-one gear ratio is, reel, no drag. Yeah, this was, is, thing was a thumb pad, a leather patch. Leather, yeah, like, this is what we're doing. It's funny. Like, we're just doing it with better technology. Same, same tactic, same technique, right? We just have kind of perfected it, if you will, just through time and through you know trial and error but like yeah what a wild thought to be like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna fly a kite and throw a flying fish under it with linen line see what happens right and now it's like that's a staple of how we're catching these bigger bluefin so what does that look like if again if this is around or if it cycles back like what does that look like in 100 years probably the same thing with a different take right yeah, maybe there'll be like a laser targeting system <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. well, <laughs> on I mean, a like, California oh, flyer. No, <laughs> it, it's funny we laugh, but like you look at like the the, the marine technology, the marine electronics, and like the progression and, and the advancement that they've made. Like that stuff's insane. Like the mm -hmm. three sixty sonar and some of like the three D three dimensional. Like it, it's and that's just a tool, right? I think it's still it's still about getting on the water. It's still mm -hmm. about having people on the water to, to document and, and go target these fish, but, and, and to put this new technology to use. But yeah, it's, it's fun to think about. It is fun to think about like a hundred years ago and then what it might be in a hundred years for sure. Do you ever, um, I guess for lack of a better word, do you ever experiment with gear uh, or at least techniques to where, you know, after, you know, you have plenty of cow bluefin and all that stuff. Do you ever go out and experiment? You must have not seen his slow pitching article that he yeah. wrote. Of. Man, the Sea Falcon one. Yeah, there's gonna, a lot of good stuff in there. I was gonna say it's it's probably more uh, it's probably more by accident than anything else. But no, I did. <laughs> I love I love um, I love learning new things. Right, like that's the to me like this is probably gonna sound like philosophical if you will, but like to me the coolest part about fishing is there's so many different fishery so many different species there's so many different places to fish like there's always there's no you could do it for a lifetime you could fish every day for a lifetime and there's a different way to do something right if it's a different species if it's a different method so yeah slow pitch that was just introduced to me like a year ago i just kind of um 
kind of fell into it and started it with rock cod, which by the way, like highly recommend that it is the most fun way to catch rockfish. Okay. Wait, there's a lot of ways to have fun with rockfish. So there's this a lot, is, that's a lot of hype going it's, behind it's that big, comment. It's a big claim, but man, it's like the slow pitch method. Like, cause you, cause you're really they're you're, they're eating it on the fall and it's the way the rods are designed. Like you're feeling like they're ambush predators, right? Like, so you're feeling that bite and they like, you're like, Whoa. And it's like a three pound rock cod is now like a beast on those things. It is so much fun. All right. Now we're talking about this. This is getting down that rabbit hole. Like you always like to talk about, um, you're in 300 feet of water. You have about 10 knots of wind and you're not anchored. What gram slow pitch jig are you using? Uh, so it's actually, and what color? Oh, and what line? I feel like, so I feel like you're baiting me into this. Um, so I actually, from what I know, again, which is very surface level of slow pitch jigging is like in that situation, um, those knife jigs, those long knife vertical jigs like that in a, a 200 gram, like even in those conditions, you can get down there super fast. And I'm probably only on, like, I know, like, again, I got to talk to Benny Ortiz, who's like, he's like the guru, right? For slow pitch jigging and just tried to be a sponge in those conversations like he'll he'll fish that stuff like when he's he'll be in like 800 1100 feet over on the east coast when he does it and they'll fish like 30 pound braid but he'll use those those vertical jigs and it just it's the right jig and the right gear um it's really nuanced i like again again back to kook level (laughs) is i i'm very new to it um but here yeah you can get one of those knife jigs those vertical jigs with 50 pound braid and, and you can get down to 300 feet pretty easily even in even in pretty you know if you got a good current or you got a good wind going no problem do you ever on the slow picks jigs themselves and all that do you ever mess with the rigging or do you rig a certain way uh i rig the way that um <laughs> i rig probably the most standard way right like yeah you, you definitely change them a little bit um on most of them i rig with like the the always the assist hooks right and usually I'll go one on top, sometimes one on the bottom, but mostly just one on top. But it also depends on the jig, right? Just to clarify so people know, we're trying to help out our fishing community, right? So <laughs> you want to make sure that you don't have three hooks on your vertical jig or your slow pitch jig because you'll get, you'll get yourself a ticket if they, if they find you on the water fishing rockfish. Correct. Yeah. So Two-hook two max Two-hook max. So, yeah, so. but that's – and usually, honestly, most times I'm only using the single assist hook from the top loop that you also tie your, your leader onto. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's there's certain ones where they like more the um, flat fall style where you can rig a, a top and a bottom assist hook. But, yeah, always, always two-hook max, no doubt. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a buddy, and he'll if he listens, he'll know who he is. He got tagged by by the wardens for a three hooker. Yeah. It was Ooh. it wasn't it wasn't fun to have that conversation because the regs are a little bit interesting. No, it is. Yeah, it makes it very hard to figure out what is actually legit. Like you know, so but it is two hooks for sure. It's yeah, two yeah, hooks. That's, people. that's no doubt. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what configuration you have them in on your jig. Always two. Yeah, yeah. Good call. <laughs> oh man. Well, so, you know, we've already mentioned that you're a private boater. What kind of boat do you have? Uh, I have a 32-foot Everglades center console. Oh. Way too good for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's honestly, like, it's I absolutely love it. We've had mm-hmm. it for, this will be this will be the fourth year with it now, and um, just kind of fell into it. A family friend of ours was getting rid of it, and it had, like, 
I think I bought it with like 180 hours on it, and I think it's up to like 1,800 hours now. Like, we have used it, and it has been such a such a fun thing for us, and um, opened up a lot of different. Like again, getting back to the bluefin, it's opened up a lot of different opportunities because you can go a little bit farther, a little bit faster. It's it's very very lucky to have it for sure. It's called the Real Lady. Yeah, I inherited yeah. that name. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a beautiful boat. It looks like you've had lots and lots of fun. You make a lot of uh, runs out to the islands, I see. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think it's, um, it's so easy. Like, I'm in, I'm in San Diego Big Bay. So, like, it's cool um, that I can work in the morning, right? Like, I can do some stuff in the morning, run down to the boat, grab a half scoop of bait, run to the islands and, and, you know, it's not that far. It's only, what, a 19-mile run from Point Loma to, to North Island. So, um, especially, I mean, it's right around the corner, right? Those yellowtail will probably, they're probably headed up the line right now, and they're probably finding their way into the islands. So it's like, it's it's one of my favorite spots because, um, A, it's going back to, like, when I kind of started private boat fishing on my own. It's kind of the one that I started out the most and became the most familiar with and had the most success with, like having, again, it's epic rock cutting down there, really good yellowtail, bonita. It's just, it's a cool fishery that's right there, easy striking distance. I love the islands. So, you know, especially during the summertime, out of San Diego, Southern California in general, we have quite a bit of options, quite a bit of fisheries and all that. On any given day throughout the summer, and if you had everything, all, all things considered, what's your bread and butter species are you going after? Are you a bass guy or are you just sticking with bluefin? So I'm definitely an offshore guy. I've kind of just, I think because of the cycle that we're through, like I'm just trying to get as much of that in as possible because what if it does end? I, I want to be, I want to take advantage of it and be opportunistic. Um, so definitely an offshore guy. That's kind of my niche, my groove that I found. Um, it's hard, man. Like, I'll admit this is that um, the big bluefin thing, I've been lucky enough to kind of learn it and, and figure it out a little bit. Um, if I never have to pull on one again, I'll be happy. <laughs> like now my thing is like, I want to get people on the boat, especially new boat, new people or people that have never caught uh, that big of a fish. Like I love getting them on the boat, like finding the fish, um, getting the bait rigged up, getting, I like basically doing everything but fighting the fish. I'll admit it. That's kind of, <laughs> that's probably a little bit lazy, but that's like, I love that now. Like I love going out and finding these pelagic fish, like learning, figuring out, Oh, he, they were here yesterday. This water's now up here. Like kind of figuring out that why, like the puzzles, like the offshore things, whether it be bluefin or kelp patty fishing or whatever, just that offshore puzzle when it's in season is like, that's so much fun to me. Like just going out there and, and, and getting, especially getting other people on fish. Now, we're getting into it's right now it's March. Um, when do you think is the best time to really do it as a private boater to go out there and, and nail a bluefin like the right time? Oh man, that is a, that is a tough question. It's um, one over 200 a cow. Honestly, I feel like it changes a little bit every year. I feel like it gets, I feel like the season gets, um, extended every year, right? Like I'm sure, and I heard anecdotally some reports that those fish have already moved up the lines and that the, the Mexican fleet, they've already wrapped. So like, I'll, and I know those fish were at Colnet not too long ago. So, you know, the fish are moving up the line. 
I feel like you kind of get that first run of them in, I don't know, April, May, June that are, like, coming through locally. They're fast moving, I feel like, so you, like, mm-hmm. got to be at the right spot at the right time. Um, but I feel like kind of the second half of the season, that August, September, October, like, that's when they, again, in the last couple of years, seems like they kind of stick to one spot, whether it be behind San Clemente or well, I feel like last year they, like, really – they camped out at Tanner and yeah, Cortez, yeah. which that is a – Long run, run. but like, but it is again, but it's, and back to the sport boats, right? Like you can still jump on uh, a day and a half sport boat trip for a fish of a lifetime, right? And it's cool. Like, I feel like that second half when they settle in and they chase the bait to whatever structure they're at any given year, like when they kind of settle in there, like that's such a cool opportunity for people to go. I mean, a 200 pound fish, like that is if you haven't done it and you haven't seen it, it's just, it has to be firsthand. Like, it's it's amazing, the power, the beauty. Like, they're just such badass species. It's remarkable to have an opportunity to land anywhere from a 20-pound fish all the way to a 200-pound fi- fish. But I tell you, it's unbelievable on the gear <laughs> because you never know what to fish because you never know what you're going to get. Oh, yeah. I've... Uh, been there way more times than I'd like to admit of being undergunned. And uh, I'll tell you a quick story. We were running up actually for a BD project, for a Yeti project. We were running up to Catalina. And we were literally like the project was at Catalina. We were just going by and like we knew a fish in the area through reports and through buddies. And we were running like six miles up the beach, right? Like we were actually had to stop at Newport first. So I was running straight up the beach. And uh, it was me and my little brother. And I was like, listen, we're not stopping unless it's the it's got to be straight in front of us and it's got to be a massive amount of fish like blinders max like dude whatever you do don't look left don't look right we're not chasing fish we got to get on point and everywhere we looked right it was just one of those days and it was again six miles off the beach so we're running up we're not really rigged up because we're just kind of we're just kind of traveling too and uh but we had a, a popper set up on like i think it was 80 pound and it was a spinning setup and uh ended up hooking into every bit of a 200 pound fish and, and it's like we were like we did it luckily it was mostly max doing the hard work but we passed it back and forth and we're like we were trying to cheat it with the boat like following it with the boat to like make it but it's still a 200 pound fish on that gear is like it, it's it literally feels like you hook the bottom you're like oh okay cool i'm stuck like but it was it's 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 pretty epic for sure well i think that what i took away from from you is to always have a popping rod on the boat even when you're running along the beach in the middle of nowhere with blinders on. Um, but the other thing I took away is that, you know, for people who don't do this all the time, probably probably now is the time to go do this, you know. You're talking about winding down and missing the opportunity and the once-in-a-century kind of thing, a cycle. It's probably now is the best time to go this year because uh, as many people I know, some of them have never even seen this stuff before. Yeah, and it's it maybe it's something that I or we take for granted because we're out there so often. But like, any day on the water is a good day, man. Like seeing just seeing porpoise, seeing life, being mm-hmm. that far, like going offshore. Like that's it's it's funny because you, again you kind of get in your you get in your own little world. But like going out there and having an opportunity, like right now, yeah, get on it. Like we don't know what next year is going to hold. Who knows, right? So it's just mm-hmm. I think getting on a boat, getting on the water is like do it. Just do it. You won't regret it. It's it's a good, good time to be a Southern California angler. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, every year we always hear, oh, 
it's almost like we've kind of grown accustomed to the bluefin coming around and all that, and not necessarily taking it uh, taking it for granted and all that. But I mean, you you hit it right on the head. We just don't know how long these fish are going to stick around, and you know how much longer or how many more opportunities we're going to get. So, <laughs> pardon the phrase, seizing the opportunity. That's uh, that's pretty important right now. It is. It is. And again, it's it's like. The bluefin's awesome, but like, still, just get on a boat. Like, go to the island, jump on a day boat. Like, that's that's kind of what I when I first moved out to San Diego and was doing, you know, kayak fishing in the bay and stuff like that. Jumping on a sport boat, like, even pulling on a yellowtail. Like, yellowtail are amazing. Like, they're mm-hmm. they're fun fighters. They're like they're pretty prolific here. Like, go to the islands, see the islands firsthand. Like, it doesn't oh it doesn't also just have to be that like glory two hundred pound bluefin. There's so much to see and fish right here that it's just jump on a boat and do it. Mm-hmm. So, tough question for you. Oh, are you are you a bait fisherman or a jig person or or a little bit of both? Uh, definitely a little bit of both. Um, what do you like the the most I, then? So I like I like fishing the jigs and and stick baits and i mean the popper bite like a popper bite oh my gosh like oh you can't beat that cannot be <laughs> anything on the surface that you can see is like the adrenaline rush from that that's definitely my preference i'm probably a better live bait fisherman to be honest but um i i prefer fishing the jigs what so going back to bluefin a little bit obviously you've seen plenty of blow-ups and on those you know pretty much like volkswagens coming out of the water any like crazy stories or anything that uh, that you can think about that's unbelievable that I mean it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I think of um, man. I think that's like it's probably again. It's probably almost a dime a dozen. We hear it so often, but like that frozen flyer bite. Like there's been a couple times. I think of one time specifically, and, and luckily we had a camera there for this. But it was. Uh, me, Ali, Dwayne, and a, a buddy, Dave Downing, that were all out. And it was um, really kind of a slow start. Like, we ran, I think we ran all the way out to Tanner that day, and it was a little bit of a slow start. We bagged, like, a 100-pounder, maybe not even. And, like, we were like, oh, cool. Like, we got what we needed for the camera. We got what we needed for the project. Like, let's just keep fishing. And, again, slow start. And then all of a sudden, like, it was just, it just went, like, Richter like it just went insane where we found the right school they stuck under the boat and like we put out a bait and I kid you not like 25 feet off the boat like you (laughs) when you see and when you see it that close and that intimate like it's I don't care how many times you've seen it you still like I scream like a little girl right I'm like ah you know it's it's insane so that that particular trip and it ended up like the sun went down and like it was literally just you you couldn't draw it up any better but that one was just like and it was like you get one tight, you'd run someone up to the line, and then I'd look behind us, and Dwayne wasn't even really like he's like, "Oh, I'm not fishing. I'm just here for fun." And, he, <laughs> and then he'd have, dude, he'd have another one like fired off, and like it, it, all of a sudden we were hanging like three or four, and like all wow. of those bites were like right there, oh, so intimate. God. So that's like a top of mind. Just again, like seeing that that close with that big of a uh, and that big and that powerful of a fish is like it's it's mind blowing. How could you not get hooked on fishing after seeing any of that? Or, or hearing about it right here. You, you can't. I, ch- I challenge anyone to see that firsthand and not be like, I'm coming back tomorrow. It's, it, is, it is addicting for sure. Well, we got to keep that stoke going for all the anglers listening. And I'm sure that everyone right now is running to the tackle shop, listening in their truck as they're going to go and pick up their 
Um, they're big 30 wide and they're now 80 wide, hopefully with some of these bigger fish coming. We'll n- we never know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do think that you bring a lot to the table and I, pe- I hope people can understand a lot of the historical recording you're doing right now and the importance of having people like you in our community, sharing the stories of a lot of these anglers that are out there and especially yourself, you know, um, we'll look back on this when we're very old and very looking back on the best days of fishing of our lives, for sure. Yeah, I'm stoked to be even a small part of it, that's for sure. It's, <laughs> it's a good time. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, uh, you know, we kind of mentioned that you have multiple irons in the fire, I know that, but uh, you do video, you also write it quite a bit too, right? Yeah, yeah, I really, um, I actually really love writing. Like, it's um, funny, like, it, I would kick my high school self because I, I <laughs> like back then I would do everything to get out of any writing project or homework but now I, I love it it's just fun to and, but it's it's what we're talking about right like all this mm-hmm. is just same thing it kind of um, I talk fast I think fast so like writing slows me down so for me it's a little bit of a, a yin and yang if you will um, so I really like writing videos fun I'm um, I'm probably better in front of the camera than behind it believe it or not um, so but it's it's fun to, to to what was Kevin was saying is like it's it's fun to be that timestamp and document it in any shape or form of like look what's going on right now this is fun this is fun to talk about this is pretty epic times so it, it's it, for me it's like that I could do this all day long I could talk fishing write fishing uh, all day long. Well, speaking of writing, I know you know you write for PCS as well, and then I've also seen quite a few of your videos to where you're. I mean, hell, I've seen you on the bay and just giving out just random tackle tips for, you know, just randomly um, for whatever's working right now. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I'd say that's probably another big um, BD initiative, if you will, is like that education piece, that learning piece. Like we just, I know one thing that I'm, and maybe I'm letting the cat out of the bag a little bit, but, um, you know, it's just like we're doing like a how to fish video series and it's just two to three minute quick snackable videos and it's like it's breaking down the one-on-ones like hook sizes what is what's a one-out versus a four-out why do you use them and how do you use them it's like kind of getting back to that one-on-one level again to break down the barriers and to, and to get people into fishing i i enjoy doing that like it's it probably sounds a little nerdy but like yeah mm-hmm. going in the bay and like giving some tackle tips or whatever that might be is like that's fun for me so you know, I <laughs> we've talked about it where it, it's those little things that, you know, you I always kind of describe it as it's those things that you know that your buddy knows that you know how to do, but secretly you don't really know how to do it, hoping that he knows how to do it. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. But all that stuff. Well, I mean, that's again, I am probably sounding like a broken record, but I've I've been lucky enough to fish with guys like Ali and Dwayne mm-hmm. and, and Jamie from Seasons like. I, they've helped me so much that I want to give back a little bit. And of, of course, you know, we're not going to give you all the secrets. You got to learn a little bit just being on the water. But if, again, if you can give out just a couple tricks that you've learned in, in just quick video or quick write up, like if that helps one more person catch one more fish, I'm stoked. Like that's what it's about. So um, yeah, it's, it's fun to give like, that's hopefully what I would give back is, is I've had so many guys help me in my progression and learn what I've gotten to learn. It's, it's cool to, to have a little piece of giving that back. In a nutshell, how is it fishing with Ali? Uh, it is an experience <laughs> in itself. He, uh, oh man, he's, I love Ali. He's, so, he's a good friend. I fished with him a lot. He is as chill as it comes until you're in the moment. 
<laughs> like, be ready to, like, be, like he, and, and that's what makes him a great fisherman and a great angler is, um, you know, the boat ride out there, it's, it's, you know, swapping fishing tails and hanging out, and it's just, you know, one of the guys. And then guess what? You see Bluefin and you're in the zone, be on your game. Like, like again, I, I, if you know how to run the kite and you're on kite duty, like, have it dialed in, be ready to capitalize. But that's what makes, that's what makes those guys great is, is being able to, to turn that switch on. So, um, yeah, he's, he's uh, don't tell him this, but he's an awesome angler and, and been a huge mentor for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and <laughs> I really dig all of his one-liners too. Uh, He'll yeah. make you crack up for sure. Oh yeah, there's there's no, <laughs> there's uh, there's definitely no lack of of laughing and joking around and and like again, it's it's all fun and games, but you better have thick skin because you're you're gonna if you make even the slightest, you're gonna get it from him, and it's hilarious and it's it's fun. Yeah, and also just to mention, he's been a super big supporter of CCA. He's on our state board. He actually serves as the secretary and on the uh, executive committee for CCA. So we we love those guys at BD for sure. Yeah, that's uh, again. That's I know that's a huge, huge incentive for him and a huge initiative for him is the same thing, right? Giving it back and and keeping the future of fishing going. And a huge it, CCA is a big part of that. Awesome, man. It's been fun, dude. Uh, thank you so much for being here. One more time, give us the rundown. How can we find your work? Where can we watch you on video and all that stuff and your Instagram? Yeah, so uh, Instagram is at Seize the Slay. Uh, you can find a lot of that stuff and a lot of other nonsense on there. And then um, a lot of my stuff is, is either on there or uh, BD. Go over to BD Outdoors. Like, even if it's not my video, there's such a wealth of information on there. The forums, if you're not on the forums, go to the forums, read the fishing reports. Like there is, there's so much information and so much passion in that community that it's, that's a good spot as well. Well, that was um, a very good hour of talking about fishing and that's what CCA is all about. We want to make sure that passion is driven to the next generation. So check us out. Uh, it's um, very important that you get new members involved Join at any level. You know, it's we have lifetime members that are contributing thousand dollars and more for the expand of their support as a CCA member, all the way down to thirty-five dollars. Making sure that you show your support for our community and that the next generation can still catch the same bluefin or bigger ones in the future. Check us out. It's very important that you can share the stoke with your, anyone you can talk to and make sure that if you have anyone else that can help out and grow our network that you contribute and you get to, to talking to either Chris, myself, or anybody that you know that's involved with CCA, especially your chapter presidents or your chapter uh, board members. It's very important you contact them. But we appreciate your support for the podcast. We want to make sure that we can always share the best information, insights with local knowledge and people who are influential in our community. Absolutely. Well said, Kevin. Jordan, it's been real, man. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you guys again for having me. I really appreciate it and seriously can't thank CCA and, and everybody who's involved in that enough. You guys do such a good job advocating for our waters. I mean, here locally and throughout California and all your charters. So, again, like Kevin said, get out there, support, small donations. You guys are killing it. Thank you. Uh, well said, man. Thank you so much. And uh, big shout-out once again to the Marlin Club for hosting us today. It's, uh, it's been unreal, and hopefully we get to be back or invited back here for, more some, for some more episodes. But, Jordan, thanks again, man. Really, really appreciate you coming down. Kevin, it's been uh, real with you as well. 
Guys, don't forget, ccacalifornia.org. Visit our website. Follow us on Instagram for all of the latest updates on advocacy in California. My name is Chris, your host. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you guys next week. Take care, everyone.